was incredible. We grew the program from having five to over 120 of the most amazing ambassadors who all volunteered their time to really make a difference in the mental health space by breaking stigmas, educating and driving change. And it was one of the most incredible journeys I've ever felt so privileged to be part of. And just to see that grow and the difference that it made was, was really, really wonderful to see. Hello and welcome to the Difference Makers podcast, brought to you by Chartered Accountants Worldwide. I'm your host, Indy Hoti. In this series, we're going to meet with leaders, many of whom are at the very peak of their influence and achievement, and some who are making their mark on the world despite their relative youth. They all share the view that the world can be a better place, and that they can and should do something about it. They're all Chartered Accountants. In this episode, we hear from Johnny Jacobs. Johnny is a finance director at Starbucks EMEA and has been involved in some of the world's best-known brands over the breadth of his career, including Heineken, Marks & Spencer, Diageo and Pladis. Alongside his FD role, Johnny is a tireless advocate for mental well-being in the workplace and advocates this across many forums. He is a trustee of the Mental Health Foundation, the UK's leading mental health charity, a non-executive director of Mental Health at Work, a One Young World ambassador and a goalkeeper of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He also plays a key role in supporting ICAS. In 2017, he was recognised as the Young Chartered Accountant of the Year and is co-leading the mental fitness in business strategy to drive change on the subject amongst the finance and accounting profession. We hope you find Johnny's story inspiring. I always felt a little bit different and probably didn't have that many friends growing up. And I think partly was, I was slightly out of sync with my year group. And that just led to not being able to communicate particularly well and, and leading to scuffles in, in the playground. But I also managed to gain a scar in the middle of my forehead. Um, sadly, a bit like Harry Potter, but without the secret powers. And you can imagine growing up um, west of Scotland, um, in a working class family. I got a bit bullied for that as well. So feeling both physically and mentally different was a challenge. And when I was 13 years old, like many families up and down the country, my parents got divorced. And I ended up in a situation whereby I effectively felt like I was bringing myself up alone. And it was a real challenge. And to get out of that, what did I try and do? I, funnily enough, one of my dad's friends was an accountant. And I always remember he had a house. And for some reason I had in my mind, I need to become an accountant uh, to have a house. Um, and I didn't really have that many, we didn't a particularly big family and I was always fearful of not really having much. And my way out of it was to think, okay, if I can become this accountant, I can have a house and I can have stability. Because I was fearful of having nothing. I was also quite entrepreneurial growing up as a kid because we didn't have a huge amount of money and also maybe because I didn't have that many friends, I, I don't know what it was, but I, I got into lots of little uh, little businesses, you know, you'd be the uh, the local marble kingpin, you know, small marbles, big marbles, you'd be, you'd be selling them at primary school, I, I ran the local car wash, uh, all of that stuff, you know, at the age of 10, 11, 
years old. So I think being a bit entrepreneurial, liking commerce, being relatively good with money, but also feeling the need to have some type of profession, that then really led me down the route to become an accountant. I went to university and studied accounting and finance in Glasgow. I remember in second year, some of my classmates were saying, oh, I need to get a, an internship. We have to get an internship, because if you don't get an internship, then you won't get a job. And they all started getting these internships. I was like, how are you getting the internship? The accounting and finance profession back then was a little bit stuffy as well. And some of it was about who you knew. And it was also a bit classist as well, to be fair. I remember at the time thinking, I don't know how to get this internship. So I got the yellow pages out for the people listening that remember the yellow pages. And I remember uh, going through all the firms I kept getting rejection after rejection and I think I had over 50 rejection letters and right at the end I managed to get a little bit of work experience that then led on to getting more work experience which ultimately helped me then get a job at the end of it. So I'm incredibly grateful for support that businesses and organisations give, particularly to young people, to give them a leg up and to give them some of that much needed experience. And it's so hard right now, so hard for young people across the world to get that experience and particularly in some more challenging circumstances or situations where it might not be as easy or you might not have the help. And I think social mobility is such an important agenda as well for us to continue to, to drive forward. As my time at university was drawing to a close, I felt hugely grateful to get some job offers and joined KPMG. And I, I cannot tell you how grateful I was on, on the first day arriving at KPMG to have that job. Because for me, that was the first real step that said, you know what, I can, I can actually make it. I stayed at KPMG for the best part of five years. And then at the end of that, felt hugely, hugely grateful to get a role with Heineken. And had a really great time at Heineken before then moving on uh, into a group role with John Mendes PLC, which is a logistics, time critical logistics business, and then moving on to United's Biscuits, that then became Pladis, the global snacking business. I spent the best part of eight years at Pladis in total before leaving to join MS Foods and now at Starbucks. In recent years, I've reflected a lot on the past and there was actually a moment in 2017. I was the Strassian Transformation Director at Pladis and we had just signed a pledge to end the stigma of mental health in the workplace. I naturally gravitated towards the pledge and suggested that I should get involved and that ultimately led me to becoming the sponsor of the wellbeing program, the mental wellbeing program across Pladis in the UK. And looking back on it, I think that's because I was surrounded by friends and family with mental ill health growing up. I also got to quite a low place, as you can imagine, growing up as a kid who felt like they were bringing themselves up alone at quite a young age. And even today, and, and then, I felt like some of my best friends as well suffer from, from some mental ill health conditions. So I have gone through you know, a lot of personal reflection on that. And I'm really thankful for the role that business has had to play to really help me explore that further. And that leads then into the conversation around what can business do to really make a difference 
in this space. A lot of people ask, well, why did Pladis sign a pledge around mental health? And some of it was driven from sentiment at the time. You know, a few years ago, a lot of organisations were starting to sign up to this Time to Change pledge, which was in partnership with Mind, a leading mental health charity in the UK. But also because there was a very tragic situation where one colleague took their own life in one of the sites and a group of people there, you can imagine, it just the impact was huge and said, you know, what could be done differently? And we had this real grassroots sentiment that maybe the business could do more, that maybe we could stand for, for something more in this space. I first got involved by putting my hand up to become a mental health and wellbeing ambassador. And then being the strategy and transformation director and holding a, a seat on the leadership team, I felt like there was a good opportunity perhaps to really raise the conversation up the strategic agenda. So I became the exec sponsor of the programme and it was incredible. We grew the programme from having five to over 120 of the most amazing ambassadors who all gave up their time, who volunteered their time to really make a difference in the mental health space by breaking stigmas, educating and driving change. And it was one of the most incredible journeys I think I've ever felt so privileged to be part of. And just to see that grow and the difference that it made was, was really, really wonderful to see. Mental ill health is the next big pandemic. In fact, the World Health Organization says that the mental health or mental ill health will be the next big pandemic coming down the track. If I say to you the words physical health, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? I suspect you're thinking, you know, an athlete or an Olympian or a footballer or something. If I eat something positive, maybe on a treadmill. If I say to you mental health, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? I suspect it's probably depression, anxiety, loneliness, something negative. And that's one of the challenges around the language and the perception and the stigma that, that we need to, to work through. And I say that because I think it's important context when we start talking about mental health in the workplace that we think about the the language and therefore what is the cost of mental ill health and there's a, a really strong study by Deloitte that suggests that the cost of of mental ill health was about 45 billion pounds to UK PLC and that's across things like absenteeism but actually the biggest cost is presenteeism because if you suffer from mental ill health perhaps you're more likely to get into conflict at work you're less likely to be able to concentrate less likely to be able to do multiple tasks at the same time, etc. So therefore you're less productive. But there's also a cost beyond that. £80 billion annually in social economical costs. Because once you exit the workplace, you're now into the system, into the social system, the health system, and there's costs there. And it's been, it's been suggested that the cost of mental ill health globally is up to a trillion dollars. But the great thing is, there's a return on investment if you invest in mental ill health prevention. If I said to you, give me a pound out of your pocket and I'll give you five quid back, five pounds back, you might my hand off for that. What about if I said you give me a pound out of your pocket and I'll give you four pounds back, you'll still bite my hand off. 
But that is deemed to be some of the, the return on investment for mental ill health prevention. I think that's really important. Now, what we don't want to do is just turn the conversation to be purely an economic conversation because that shouldn't be the only reason why you'd invest in this area or want to drive change. The bigger issue, as we know, is the, is the moral argument, it's the societal challenges out there. I'll share a little bit more around the journey at Pladis. One of the most incredible pieces that came out of it was the first ever social partnership between McVitie's and mental health charity Mind. And that was all around reaching millions of people across the UK with the message of let's talk. Be kind to your mind, McVitie's in mind, was seen up and down the country. And it was all about talking. It was about taking that moment to talk. I look back to that 13-year-old boy sat in his bedroom and there was nobody around to say, let's talk. And I would hope now through campaigns such as McVitie's in mind, and there's lots of other fantastic charities out there, and there's lots of other fantastic brands that have engaged in this subject, and lots of great work that, that lots of campaigners are doing. I think all of that has raised awareness. And I think now, I'd like to think now, that people would, would engage with young people and people of all ages for that matter in the topic around mental health. Around about the same time, I started to get more involved with other mental health charities and mental health organisations. I joined the advisory board of Mad World, which is a, a really fantastic summit around mental health in a workplace. And, and that really gave me a wider perspective around what other businesses and organisations are doing on the mental health agenda. I was just so humbled when I became a trustee of the Mental Health Foundation. The Mental Health Foundation is the UK's leading charity for everyone's mental health focused on prevention. It, it's so grounding because it gives you an incredible insight into the challenges that we face in mental health, not just in the UK but across the world, but also a huge amount of optimism around the role that that we can play as individuals, as organisations, as businesses, as government, to, to really try and, I guess, without sounding a bit crass, make the world a, a better place. The world needs leaders with vision, capability and compassion. Some of those leaders will and do come from Chartered Accountancy. Listen to other podcasts in the series on the Chartered Accountants Worldwide website and wherever you find your podcasts. If you like this podcast, why not take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever platform you listen on. It will really help us get the word out.